Welcome to Pour Out Ministries podcast. We are so thankful you're listening today. Our prayer for every single listener is that your heart would be awakened for more of Jesus, that the love of the Father would wash over you and the power of the Holy Spirit would burn in you. We love you and we believe you'll be blessed today as you listen to the Word of God.
a sea of people clothed in presence. I can see them. I see a land with the fragrance of Jesus permeating the air. I can smell it. I can hear the invitation. Come into my kingdom. I see the entrance. When Kristen prayed tonight, it will happen, and it is happening, and that's actually what these nights are about. It's not just the kingdom so much more than having a good church service. The kingdom of God is, is where we get to come together and do one thing and declare that he's all that we want. And as we declare that inside of the present risenness of Jesus, this is present risenness. This is what's happening right now. He is, he is here. And we get to stand in the midst of the King of Kings Hallelujah. and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. And we get to see more of his heart and feel more of his presence yep. as he unlocks another degree of who he is on the inside of us. Yes, and as she began to say, when, she, when Kristen said this, when she said, would you take a year's wages? And throw it at his feet. Man, that was a key that unlocked something in me back there. It unlocked it. There's a term that Apostle David Thompson uses, and the term that he uses is this sometimes you need to be rewilded. Sometimes we get too domesticated, and you have to be rewilded. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to bring you out of domestication and bring you back to that place where Jesus actually meant that much to you, where you would have taken a year's wages and thrown it at his feet because that he was that worthy to you at one time. And he's beginning to kiss us in such a special way that I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you kissing us this way? Why is there such an open heaven? And I'm telling you, it's because he still searches to and fro throughout the earth, looking to who he can show himself strong through. And when he finds a heart, even if it's one, he will kiss them in such a way that will undo them forever. You know, the enemy likes to lie to you and tell you that you need a majority. You don't even need a minority. You need one. You need one person, one person that gets so possessed by Jesus Christ. One person can turn the world upside down. All you need is one person. And we got way more than one person. But all you need is one to begin to think 
with that kingdom mind again to say, whatever you tell me to do, wherever you tell me to go, I will do it. Yeah. And I believe, this has been, Christian unlocked this in me tonight, but I believe that he is going to rewild us in such a way. He's going to, man, he's going to unleash the wild thing in us again that says you are worth it all. For it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, right? It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But what, what comes next? And he says, then go and sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and follow me. It's, the kingdom is, it's costly, but yet, when you talk about the cost, it's nothing compared to the glory it's nothing compared to the glory that gets unlocked and lavished upon your life. The love of God that begins to be shed abroad in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit is nothing. And, man, and I've been actually talking to Kristen about this for a couple of weeks. There's another phrase that that's in our heart that we have learned is it's said it's hear and obey at any cost. Hear and obey at any cost. Hear and obey at any cost. There's something so special that is unlocking in our midst together when we come together. It's like I don't want to quit it, I don't want to stop it. We went out to dinner with some people last night and we were talking and as we were talking, the Lord reminded me of this verse. And I, it came up out of me and it was just like, it just unfolded in front of my eyes and it's this, where Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you find life, but yet I'm standing right in front of you. And you can't even recognize it. I'm telling you the, that Pharisee spirit, the leaven of the Pharisee, and the leaven of the political spirit, the leaven of Herod, the leaven of the Pharisee, is the number one thing that tries to get in to stop the move of God, to stop the, the outpouring of His love and His spirit. And people are going to look at you and they're going to say, why are you acting like that? I don't feel that. I don't think it takes all that. I don't think you really have to act like that. And that's, that's the Pharisee leaven that gets planted in our heart. And we all have it in there. Yep. We all have the judgmental thing in there, the critical thing in there. But in moments like this, he comes and he washes you. And he washes it out and he lets you see clearly once again and says you really are worth it you're worth it all i was praying before everyone got here and kind of what kristen said unlock something of hunger in this region unlock something in the hearts of people you know psalm says that he is the desire of the nations and one of the things that aggravates me the most in my life is that it's very easy to get negative and critical 
when you walk into a situation, you go out to eat with people, or you're in relationship with people, and you don't, you want to link arms, but there's not this, you're hungry, but you can, even in your own home sometimes, you can, you can just be off. Someone can be hungry and desiring Jesus at, it, at any cost, and the other person could be just content with where they're at and not desiring anymore. And the danger is that if we get content in a place, then the next generation doesn't actually get to even come where we stopped at. They actually die because we stopped moving forward. And we feel, I mean, I feel something of a pioneering spirit on the inside of us right now that says, it doesn't matter if it grows. It doesn't matter if we get a worship leader. It doesn't matter if another single person walks through these doors. What we are doing is not to grow in the natural or to be seen by any man. What we are doing is to give him what he is worthy of and to release something into a realm unseen that will break strongholds over a generation. What we are doing is going to unlock hunger in hearts that we may never meet. What we are doing is releasing the desire of the nations in his name is Jesus. And people are going to begin to smell the fragrance of Jesus on the streets that we walk. They're going to smell him. They're going to find him. They're going to get free. They're going to get delivered. And that is why we do what we do. We are standing at the entrance of this gate into the invitation of a kingdom lifestyle that we have yet to ever lived before. Gone are the days, for me anyway, of reading the Word of God and not living the Word of God. Of saying that I know Him, but yet there be no manifestation or confirmation on what we teach or preach. When the disciples went out and began to preach, my wife taught me this this week too, when when they when they began to preach, they didn't just preach the gospel. They preached the gospel of the kingdom. And when they preached the gospel of the kingdom, it says that signs accompanied them and confirmed the word which they spoke. And when we truly speak the gospel of the kingdom, the king of the kingdom comes and begins to manifest the very words that we speak. When we say that he's a healer, he comes in the room and he actually begins to heal. When we say that he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider, he actually does something supernatural in your finances. Yes. When we say that he is going, when we begin to prophesy that the prodigals are coming home, get ready, the prodigals are going to come home. Gone are the days without the manifestation of the Spirit of God. He's going to begin to confirm his word. He's going to begin to move in with wings like eagles. He's going to begin to fly over your life and over your home and begin to confirm that's what he said he would do. Yes, hallelujah. It's a new age. 
It's a new age. It's a new day. We're stepping over into his kingdom. But it comes with a cost. And this week he's going to begin to visit us in our homes, in our cars. And he's going to begin to whisper those whispers that we used to hear and those whispers that we have tried to ignore and those whispers that we've tried to run away from. And I'm telling you, he's going to begin to ask us to pour out something expensive at his feet. He's going to begin to ask us to worship him like he truly is worthy. He's beginning to ask us to spend time with him like he's really alive and risen from the dead. And he's going to begin to visit us in a special way. I see the first thing I said when I got up here, other than quench not the Holy Spirit, was I see a people wrapped in presence. And I'm telling you, he's going to visit us and wrap us in him in such a way that when we leave our houses, when we leave these meetings, when we leave, when we get out of our car to go in somewhere, he, we're, we're going to smell like him. We're going to cast out demons. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to raise the dead. And we're going to see Jesus touch our land. I want you all to join with me in truly praying. I mean, I get undone thinking about my generation. And sometimes, you know, his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And sometimes we don't see fully what he's doing. And so sometimes we can say things and really actually just not understand. But there's one thing I'm confident in because I've spent hours and hours and hours and tears and tears and tears praying over this is that it's not okay for the move of God to skip a generation. It's not okay for drug addiction, homosexuality to be normal in our schools. It's not okay for us not to be praying in our classrooms. It's not okay for our kids, for, our, for even the church-going, American, Christianity, families. It, we, we need to be sending our kids to school with the fire of God on their lives, saying, you may learn something today, but that is not that concern. I'm sending you into that environment to lay hands on the sick, to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to tell people about Jesus. We're sending you to that dark, nasty area so that you could be light and that you could watch the darkness completely be transformed. Yeah. It's not it's not okay. And this region, man, it's dry. 
It is dry. It's religious. It's racist. But for whatever reason, he's picked it. The father picked it. And said, I will have a pocket of fire right here. And we get to be a part of it. You know, man, another thing, we got to, uh, and I feel like I'm, don't get mad at me, because I feel like I'm preaching to other people that aren't even here. It's a weird thing going on in my, weird thing going on in my head right now. So I'm not technically, some of y'all, like Mr. Tom this week, spoke a word of wisdom into my life about don't be a Peter that cuts off people's ears. And so I received it. But I religion aggravates me. It aggravates me a lot. Because it keeps people from life and life more abundantly. It keeps people from encountering a risen king. It keeps people out of the gate, which the gate is the man, Jesus. He is the gate. He, he When you go through him, you get to the heart of the Father. You get to Abba. But religion keeps people out of that gate and tells them they're not worthy to go into the gate. When he receives anyone into that gate. Religion's also taught us that we can't be healed. It's also taught us that we should we have to be broke. It also taught us that Christianity is no fun. No joy in it. And I just feel like he was thirsty for something real tonight. I feel like we pleased his heart. He drinks from our affection. He takes it in. Mm -mm -mm. What What would we do if we couldn't go to church anymore? If we didn't have the freedom... To just come in here and worship like this. What would we do if all of them just got shut down tomorrow by the government? This is, I'm, I'm building a case here, and this is where I'm preaching to people in my head that aren't here. What would we do? A lot of people would die. You know why? Because people, and I'm talking about spiritual death, a lot of people would spiritually die because they have not yet been in an environment filled with life that teaches them how to get to the throne room of God, teach them how to touch heaven, teach God how to strengthen them, 
David had to strengthen himself in the Lord. David had to go before the feet of Yahweh, lay before him, and allow God to infuse him with strength. And when we play the game of religion and do not know how to come before the throne room of God and do not have how to come into his presence and allow him to strengthen your heart with love, strengthen your heart with boldness and courage to stand up against whatever you're facing, to give you perseverance because you spent time on your face praying in the Holy Spirit and it edified your spirit, man, and it charged you up. When you play the game of religion long enough, you will be spiritually dead. And I'm telling you, if the churches were shut down, people would fall off spiritually. Right. They'd just begin to die. Exactly right. Because they're doing what Jesus said. They're looking at traditions of man. They're reading the Bible, checking it off. They're going to church on Sunday, checking it off. But yet their hearts have not been unlocked to desire him. Here's the key to that. We can remain frustrated and be actually become infected with the same pharisaical disease that religion operates in. Or we could step back for a second and say, if they knew him for real, they would be worshiping differently. If they knew him for real, they would be soaking in his presence. If they knew him for real, they would be hungry. They would be eating the word. They would be going after him. If they knew him like I knew him. And what we get to do is not force people into a place with Jesus, but we get to smell like him in such a way and become such a light that we actually become the infection that infects the rest of the rest of the sphere of influence that God allows us to have. And when you do when you do that correctly, and I've I've watched it in my own life. I've had people I've had people in my own life that infected me. I mean just infected me. And then I've also had the privilege and I'm growing in this and want to continue to grow in it. But I've also had the privilege to provoke others and infect others. And I'm telling you, the people in my life that have infected me and provoked me in the Lord, I can't, I mean, I want to be around them. I want to talk to them. I want to ask them questions. I want to, if I don't know them personally, I can't get enough of their their teachings and their revelations. And I mean, and it just provokes me in my relationship with the Lord. And it, because he's no respecter of persons. Right. He doesn't care. What, one, of my, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, when I, was in, when I was in prison and God met me for the first time while I was there, I don't know why. To this day, I don't know why. But the first book I, I ever read in the Bible while I was there was 1 Corinthians. Don't know why I started there. I started in 1 Corinthians. And I got to the part where it said, 
And he chose the lowly things and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that through that, no man should boast. Man, I love that verse. I remember to start a little Bible study there in the prison. I would read it, and I would just be like, guys, do you get it? He chooses us. <laughs> he chooses us. We're the ones that he's going to choose. We're the ones that he's going to choose. He likes to do things in ways that we would never think of. He likes to confuse the wise. He likes to make them look foolish because they thought they had it figured out. Golly, he's so good. He's so good. And when we come here on these nights, I'm telling you, something's happened outside of these walls. Mix faith with that. Something is happening outside of these walls. There's a generation that's hearing a sound. There's a generation that's smelling a fragrance. And they're going to find him. They're not going to find me. They're not going to find y'all. They're going to find him. That may look like some of them wandering in here, and we will receive them and watch them be delivered, set free, and be cast onto a course of the walking in the kingdom of God. But I'm telling you, no matter what happens, mix faith that something is happening outside of these walls as we release a sound of worship to the king. I'm going to read one verse, and then I'm going to give this to Pastor Ron to close and finish. Colossians 3, verse 1. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. That is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Christ's resurrection is my resurrection too. I'm just as resurrected as Jesus is. I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in my mortal body, living in my flesh. And I'm telling you, like Kristen was talking about tonight, let's ask him, what are those things that you're saying cast at his feet? What are those things that you're trying to remove? Because as good as he is and as awesome as his grace is, um, there's still a standard and there's still a covenant of walking in the presence in the glory of the Lord. There's still a place that when you're coming into the most holy of holies that he's going to say, take that off. He's going to say, don't think like that anymore. He's going to say, don't watch that tonight. Uh, there's still a standard to carry the glory of God on our life. It's not just it's not just grace. He forgave us. And yes. He forgave us. But now that we're growing up into maturity, when I was a child, I thought like a child. But now that I've come into some maturity, he's saying begin to think more like me. Begin to have the mind of Christ. 
And as you do, you carry a little bit more glory. And a little bit more glory. And a little bit more glory. And then you go a little bit deeper still. And a little bit deeper still. And a little bit deeper still. We're the answer for somebody that's crying out. And it's selfish for us to hold on to other lovers that are hindering the glory of God from resting on our life. So, I could ramble all night, but I know y'all would hate that. So, I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Ron. And, uh, man, his presence fills me up every time. Amen. First of all, in that song, first song came up tonight. I couldn't help but have a hallelujah fit. It said, it was enough. What was the message this morning? It was enough. It was enough. But one of the things the Lord has been speaking to my heart a lot lately is I'm going to reveal different facets of who I am to you. And I want to kind of just share with you who he revealed himself to us as tonight. As we were sitting there, the Lord said, don't ever forget my deity as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the risen triumphant Savior. What I did was enough, and I am the king. Think about it. When the pre-crucified Christ came riding into Jerusalem, they threw the palm branches down before him, and they yelled out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. What do you think is going to happen when the risen king comes back, not riding on a mule, but riding on a white horse? You think we're just going to sit around saying, no, we're going to go crazy, wild, out of our minds worshiping him. Now, I don't know if you sense that tonight. It just began to get more intense, more intense, more intense. And, and I find myself saying, I don't even have enough words to express what I'm feeling about him right now. And it wasn't the love thing this time. No, it was about his deity as a king of kings and a lord of lords. Because guess what? He still has a kingdom. And I came up to Jared afterwards. I didn't know what he was going to preach. And he's saying all this stuff about kingdom, 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 kingdom. I want you to listen to this. Because in the book of Esther, chapter 5. Now, it happened on the third day. And that's not there by accident. That's after she'd done three days of fasting and the things you're supposed to do. That's when you have resurrection what? Life. It's on the third day that Jesus rose again. That's what we talked about this morning. That power of resurrection working on the inside of us. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance to the house. You know what our royal robes are? That glory of God. That presence of God that he wants to put on us. When you go back and you read the story of Esther, remember, she went through a whole year 
of being anointed with that oil. There was a sweet-smelling fragrance all over her body, all over her life. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to anoint us, as he said tonight. And I'm going, all right, he's, he, he, he's on the same page for sure. We're going to walk with that fragrance on our lives. Which, by the way, Mary sat at his feet and said, you have chosen the best part. Then, when Lazarus died, Mary ran and fell at his feet. And he revealed himself as the God of resurrection. And then Mary went and fell at his feet and anointed his feet with oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And that's when Jesus said, when the gospel is preached around the world, she'll be remembered. Why? She had caught a glimpse of the resurrection Lord. And even though she was anointing him for his burial, without her even fully understanding it, she was anointing the resurrected king. She'd caught a sight of him being the resurrection and life. I am the resurrection and life. Esther's in a situation here where she said, if I perish, I perish. There's absolutely nothing in, that's going to stand in my way of getting to the king. That's what Christopher was talking about tonight. But look what it says here. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. Folks, it's like Jared was saying. We have a privilege. I can't explain why, except I know that many of us have been willing to walk the walk and pay the price and stick the course, stick to the course. And it said, Esther found favor in his sight, and the king held out his gold, king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. Now listen what the king says to her. What do you wish, Queen Esther? Have you heard the Father say to you, I'm so pleased that you are in my presence. What do you wish? What do you wish? And see, the thing is, Esther wasn't wishing for carnal things. She was wishing for the life of her people. Wishing for the life of her people. But notice what he said to her. I, he said, and the king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. In, Queen, in King Asher's days, that's quite, quite the possession but she had something else in mind even the chance to possess an earthly kingdom no it was about saving the people's lives because she found favor with the king I hope you recognize tonight you found favor with the king you found favor with the king and we came into his presence. In essence, he stretched out that scepter and says, 
You're in kingdom now. You're in kingdom now. Folks, we're in kingdom now. And he says, what do you wish? It's not about us. It's about him and the lives that he's going to put in our paths. So I 100% right on what he's saying. And we're going to watch him move and do some powerful stuff. Amen. Let's close in prayer tonight. Father, we're so thankful. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a King, a mighty God. And there is absolutely no price too great of laying things down just to be with you. Because it's in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures forevermore. And you are the king. And we thank you tonight that we have found favor with you. So in that presence, what we ask for, Lord, give us. Starting here, give us this city. The lost, the hurting, the suffering, the dying. Father, we ask for them. Let your fragrance be so strong on us that we see lives changed for the kingdom of God. Right now in your own place where you're sitting right now, I want you to just pray to the Father. Father, use me to touch the lives because you've been in his presence tonight. His fragrance is on you. And it's not just for us to soak up. It's to be productive. So Father, right now, we honor you. We honor your touch on our lives. And Father, even with all that's going on with us in our church and everything else right now, we ask for lives for the kingdom at any cost we want you we want your presence we want your glory we want your fragrance on our lives so that we can reach lives for your kingdom and we continually commit we will be that house where your glory can come and dwell
take a few minutes to sit in this presence right now. This is his gift to you right now. This is his gift to you. Jesus. Jesus. This is peace in the storm. This is the fragrance of God that goes on your life. This is what hearts are hungry for and they just don't know it. Thank you for listening to today's message. Make sure to stay connected through following us on Facebook or visiting our website at pouroutministries.com. If you would like to sow into what God is doing through Pour Out Ministries, there will be a link in the description below. We hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time on the podcast. Thank you.